turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12 again, and this is going to be uh, a continuation from last week. So this is uh, the need for a holy life part two. The need for a holy life part two. Hebrews 12 verses 16 and 17. And then we are going to be reading in Genesis again, like we did last week, uh, the latter part of the story of Jacob and Esau. And then we're going to end it with some uh, teaching from Moses on how we're going to live a holy life. All right. Like we read last week, Esau is brought up here in Hebrews as an example, as a warning for each and every one of us. And uh, let's back up and get a running start to those two verses. Uh, in 14 it says, Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright, for ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. Notice, notice that... Uh, he is called a fornicator. When, when all we see in this story is that he didn't have regard for his birthright, and he sold it for food. He sold it for food. He, he, he was, you know, there's nothing wrong with being hungry, right? There's nothing wrong with being hungry. There's nothing wrong with when you're cold, you know, building a fire so you can warm up. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with uh, when you're feeling a little down to want to do something that uh, will uh, make things a little happier in your life. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, when, you're, when, you're, when you don't have money and you're struggling, there's nothing wrong with trying to go out and earn some money and have what you need and get some stress out of your life. There's nothing wrong with that. But we can make any of those things wrong by leaving God out of. See, we can, we can, we can set forth to do great in this world and actually achieve greatness in this world that when it's measured by all the people around us, they would say, that is a successful person. Look, they have plenty to eat. They have a big house. They have wonderful cars. and every, They seem to be so happy. But if they have left God out of all of that, then that's all they have in this world. And when they die, that's all they had. They have nothing to look forward to. So we need to make sure that we keep God in everything that we do that we make sure that Jesus Christ is the center of our life. And if we have to go hungry 
in order to do that, we're willing to do it. If we have to be cold or maybe live a life of poverty because of it, uh, you know, we have people who will not suffer in any way. They just won't. They've got to be comfortable. And we need to look back and look at what people gave up. Uh, you know, and I'm just referring back to it, uh, 11. You know, when you, when you get over to, uh, you know, in 11, it's all these great things that are happening. And uh, in, in 11.33, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valent in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, women received their dead, raised to life again, and other were tortured. What? Others were tortured? I mean, it was going so well. And now all of a sudden, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. See, that's a person who's looking to the end of this worldly life for the life that comes after when you are resurrected from the dead. You know, you didn't escape the sword and you died standing up for what you believed in. That happens to people in this world. You go, go to some of these other countries around the world, and these people are actually being tortured and killed for their belief in Jesus Christ. Are we willing to do that? And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, sawn in half, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. The world wasn't worthy of all those people who, who we don't even know who they are because we're not worthy to know who they are. But we know all these other people. The Bible tells us about uh, Abraham and, and Isaac and Jacob and Moses. I mean, all these wonderful people. Joshua. And we have this book, this Holy Scripture book that, that we can cherish and we can open and read and read all about it. And, we, and, that, and when we get to the end of the sermon today, that's what we're going to be talking about, the importance of knowing the Word of God and knowing all of it. And that's how you're going to have a holy life, is by following what the Word of God says. So, all right, so back to 17. For ye know, this is 12, 17, for ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. That's telling us that Esau had an opportunity to actually remember the things of God and live differently. He was rejected for he found no place of repentance. That means that what was done was done, it couldn't be changed. Though he sought it carefully with tears. All right, now let's go to Genesis and let's, let's look at this story a little bit closer. Genesis 27 
We'll start with, uh, all right, so let's just talk about this a little bit, and then we're going to start reading over at 26. Now, uh, we, already, we already read last week how Esau had no respect for the birthright. He had no respect for, really the only thing he would have been interested in is the double portion of the inheritance. But he didn't want the priestly uh, part of, the, of being the, in the line with, from getting the blessing from his father and getting the birthright of being the one who leads his family. And, and like what today would be devotions and, and, and making sure that we all stay in uh, the will of God. He didn't want anything to do with that. And he would have been in the line of Christ. And he didn't see the importance of it and did, he wanted nothing. You know, are we passing down through our generations the blessing of believing on Jesus and, and the grace that he provides us and the blood atonement? Are we passing that down? from you know, our, our grandfathers and fathers and, and, and uh, to us, and are we passing it down to our children? See, that's what's happening here is that even though Esau had godly parents, he decided that he wasn't going to follow in that way, but then there's Jacob who does. So we have this contrast here of Jacob and Esau out of the same family. So now, after, after the birthright was done a long time ago, now we're at this point where Jacob feels like he's got to steal the blessing. And his mother helps him in it. And we see that the father, Isaac, he's, gotten, he's, he's old now. He can't see. He can't see. Uh, right there in front of him, the faces of his sons. He can't, he can't make them out. So he, is, he's, he smells. He's got that sense of smell. So Rebecca takes some of Esau's clothing, and she puts that clothing on Jacob. And then Jacob's... So here's, here's what was going on. Isaac wanted... Remember the venison from last week? Now he's old, and he's still craving this venison from his son Esau. Well, like father, like son. Isaac has this weakness for food, and then Esau ends up selling his birthright for a bowl of beans, for some pottage. Now we're way on down the road, and, and Isaac's old. He's on his deathbed, basically. He doesn't know when he's going to die. And all he has to do is say, Esau, come here. I want to bless you. But he says, you go out, you kill a nice deer, you bring it back, you cook it the way you cook it, and then I'll bless you. You see how he's put something in there? A fleshly thing, a carnal thing that he said, all right, you go get me what I want, what I really like, and then I'm going to give you a blessing. And he, Esau took off. And he went out to, to find that venison. He was going to prepare it because he was looking forward to the blessing from his father. Well, Rebecca hears about it. Well, she, like, she loves Jacob more. She's already heard from God that the elder will serve the younger. She already has the word of God. Jacob already has the word of God. 
And we, even though we have the Word of God, we've got it, right? We carry it to church with us. We have it in our homes. We have the Word of God. And even though we have it, we don't always believe it. And we end up doing things contrary to the Word of God. And that doesn't uh, cause us to lose our salvation and we're lost forever. Just look at Jacob. He didn't have to trick his father out of that blessing, but they did it anyway, and Mama helped. So she gets Jacob to go get the two little kid goats, bring them, we're going to fix them up real good, and we're going to present that to your father. And then Jacob's like, yeah, but you know, my brother, he, he's, got, uh, he's got a lot of hair on his arms, and I'm just smooth as could be, and, and if my father touches me, he's going to know that we're... And, and, and then he says, uh, he'll think that I'm a deceiver. <laughs> well, buddy, you are. <laughs> so they're, they're, they're getting real clever with everything, so they take the hair from the goats that were killed, and they put the hair on his arms and on the back of his neck, and, then, and sure enough, uh, Isaac wants him to come close. Come close, give me a kiss, and he puts his hands on him, and he feels him, and he smells the clothes, and these are the clothes that have been out in the wilderness. Yep, this is definitely Esau. Sounds like Jacob, but it feels like Esau. It smells like Esau. And they bring in the food, and, and Isaac is eating it, and it was so good, and then he blesses Jacob. Now let's read starting with 26. And his father Isaac said unto him, Come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his raiment and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. Therefore God give thee of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of corn and wine. Now remember, this is, this is Isaac blessing his son. Now, when you read any time in, in all, going through Genesis of any father blessing, it happens. It's sealed. And that's just the way it is. It's crazy. But we need to be very careful the words we speak. People will say, well, words are cheap, blah, 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 and they can be, and they usually are. But they should be carefully thought about before we say them. Because even though you say something that may not even be true, it could actually happen. Uh, if you tell a, a child that they're worthless. Enough times they, they, they begin to think they're worthless and they become worthless. Terrible thing. Or you will, you will never amount to anything. You're actually speaking out something that will, could actually happen. And we need to be so careful that we speak the things that should be spoken and encourage instead of beating down and pulling down. So whatever Isaac is saying to Jacob, even though he is being tricked and he's saying it to the wrong person, it doesn't matter. It's going to be. 29, let people serve thee and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. 
Cursed be every one that curseth thee, and blessed be he that blesseth thee. And it came to pass, as soon as Isaac had made an end of blessing Jacob, and Jacob was yet scarce gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, that Esau his brother came in from his hunting. Wow. Perfect timing. And he also had made savory meat and brought it into, into, unto his father and said unto his father, let, let my father rise and eat of his son's venison that thy soul may bless me. So he, to get a blessing, he, he went out and did this thing. And Isaac, his father, said unto him, Who art thou? And he said, I am thy son, thy firstborn Esau. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who? Where is he that hath taken venison and brought it, brought it me? And I have eaten of all before thou camest and have blessed him. Yea, and he sh shall be blessed. I bless the person who came in before you. And because I did, it's a done deal. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry and said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. And he said, Thy brother came with subtly, I have a hard time saying that word, and so sneakily, and hath taken away thy blessing. And he said, is not he rightly named Jacob? This is Esau talking. You know, Jacob, that, that name has a meaning. And he said, Isn't he rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he hath taken away my blessing. And he said, Hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac answered and said unto Esau, Behold, I have made him thy lord, and all his brethren have I given to him for servants, and with corn and wine have I sustained him, and what shall I do now unto thee, my son? And Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And Isaac his father answered and said unto him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above, and by thy sword shalt thou live and shalt serve thy brother, and it shall come to pass when thou shalt have the dominion that thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck. And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him, and Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then will I slay my brother Jacob. So he's just waiting for his father to pass away. We'll mourn over him for a while. And then I'll get rid of him. I'll get rid of Jacob. Notice, go, we, we mentioned a little bit about one of the worst sellouts ever was Judas Iscariot selling out Jesus. And we had a whole list of, of different people in the Bible that had sold out, sold out, sold out. And that was the worst one. You remember what happened after that, right? Judas realized what he had done. 
He had a repentant heart in that he wished he hadn't have done what he'd done, but he already did it. The Bible says that, that Judas repented of himself. That means that he was sorry for what he did because it caused him a lot of trouble. But it did not say he repented to God. See, we can repent. People will say repentance is key. And if you don't have repentance, you don't have salvation. Even though the whole Gospel of John has no mention of repent in any of its form. Repenteth, repentest, there's just not there. And you can say, well, why? If it's so important, why is it not in the book of John at all? It's, one of the, it's the gospel that you tell people, a new believer, you tell them to read that first. But there's no repentance whatsoever in that the word is not used. But there's actually repentance all through it. But yet, the word isn't used. But the word believe is there over and over and over again. So you can go to somebody and say, you're into Buddhism and you need to repent from that. And the person says, okay, I believe you, I'm going to repent from it. And they turn to Hinduism. Well, they repented. Did that repentance save them? Not at all. It, they went from one sure way of hell to another. And that offends people when I talk about different religions of the world. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father except through me. So Christianity, and I'm talking Christianity that believes in the finished work of Jesus Christ, that is the only way you're getting to heaven. So you are doing a disservice to anybody who follows another religion by saying, well, if they're true to their religion and they're sincere, they're going to be okay. You're, you're sending them right to hell. And if you don't believe that, you're not a Christian. You might be playing one, but you're not one. You need to boldly say that Jesus is the only way. You need to repent from whatever you're doing, whether it's your own good works, whether it's any other religion of the world, you need to say you need to repent from that and turn to God and His way. And that's through Jesus. That's what you have to tell them. Now, if somebody don't have anything, they're not into any kind of religion, and they're just a plain old sinner like the rest of us, then we just go up to them and say, you, this is what you need to believe. Believe on this. Believe, believe, believe. If they are following another way, in believing on Jesus, they have turned, they have repented. Does that make sense? Judas did not repent back to God. He felt very sorry for what he did. And he even went back to the temple. He went to the people that bought him off, and he had all the coins, and he threw them down. That's how sorry he was, but still died and went to hell. Just being sorry for the bad things you've done doesn't fix things. You've got to turn to Jesus. You must return, you know, turn to Him. Even though you may have a sincere heart and you might even shed tears over all of it, you still could be rejected. Now, you know the uh, concept of 
sowing and reaping. And what you sow, you will reap for sure. Now what Esau sowed, what he actually sowed, listen to this very carefully. Esau sowed a terrible seed into this world. One of his sons was Amalek, who produced a tribe that was so hostile to Israel that God vowed, God himself vowed, that he would have war with them forever. The last mention of Esau in the Old Testament is terrible too, or also. And I read that last week. Uh, Malachi records God's terrible words, Esau have I hated. That's in Malachi. I read that last week. When we cross the great divide into the New Testament, we find out why. Almost the first man we meet is Herod, an Edomite. Now, when, if you re, go back and read the story of Jacob and Esau, if you, if you watch very closely, when he says, uh, make me that red pottage, and then it, it, it will say that because of that, he was willing to give up his birthright, that his name was changed to Edom. Now, we always call him Esau through the Bible, but there in that story it says his name was changed to Edom. Now, Herod was an Edomite. That means he was a direct descendant of Esau. This man, Herod, the first Herod, tried to murder Jesus when he was a little baby. And a whole bunch of babies got killed over in that Bethlehem area, all the way to this coast. Thousands of, of little boys were killed, all in this, in this uh, effort to get rid of this newborn king that the wise men said something about. And Herod was so jealous that somebody was born in Bethlehem that could be the king of the Jews that he, had, he, he sent out his army to wipe them out. And that was a direct descendant of Esau. Look at what Esau sowed. And several hundred years later, that's what happened. Esau sowed the, the devil's seed. The devil's seed. What can we learn from all this? Some may think we can make the faults and failings of our parents an excuse for our own lack of spiritual interest. Well, this example of Esau says otherwise. We that, that's not going to be an excuse that's going to fly. Some may think we can sow to the flesh and not reap corruption. Well, this story tells us that that's not going to work either. Some may think we can marry, we just had a wedding, some may think that we can marry out of the will of God and not have it affect our lives. I don't know if we ever talked about Esau. I think we mentioned it last week where he married Canaanite women. He married one, then he married another. His father and mother were very upset with him, and in an effort to try to please them, he went and uh, married a daughter of Ishmael. Not understanding why that was wrong. He had no spiritual understanding whatsoever. So he married people that were going to cause him to get into idolatry and to leave God. So, this story of Esau tells us you can't do that. It's not going to work for you. 
Some may think we can get away with ignoring the Word of God and the will of God. Esau was a fine example of someone who did just that. He ignored the Word of God and the will of God. Some may think we can patch up things between ourselves and God by making our occasional religious gestures. It's, it's, some people, they, they're like, all right, how many times, what's the minimum number of times i got to go to church you know, to please God enough to where I'll be okay? And they, and they, have, they, they have religious gestures. You know, Esau showed us that he had, uh, a, he wanted the blessing. There were some, some things that he wanted, but for the most part, he wanted worldly things, right? Some may think we can do as we please in this life and somehow escape the inevitable consequences. They're going to happen. You know, I tell people uh, all the time, yes, you can be forgiven of your sin. You can be. Because, you know, people ask, you know, especially at the jail, all right, yeah, but what if I do this? What if I do this? Can I be forgiven of this and this? And I'm like, don't you understand that the consequences of what you do are going to remain? Yes, you can be forgiven, but the consequence, I, like you go out, you drink, and you drive, and you crash into somebody, and that person loses their life, and then you ask God for forgiveness, and you're, you're, you're forgiven of that terrible sin, then that person gets to jump up out of the grave. Nope. They're dead forever. They die. The consequences of your sin are going to remain. Therefore, don't sin. Esau shows us that is true. Some may think we can live like Esau and die like Jacob. I don't know how many times I've heard people say they want to make things right with God one day before they die. They want to live a worldly life. Live it up. My time is more important for what I want to do than spending it with the people of God. And they want to live a long life, a worldly life, make as much money as possible, have all the comforts of life, and to die one day and people say, oh, wow, look at how great he was. And they want to, at the last minute, on their deathbed, they want to make things right with God. They want to live like Esau, but die like Jacob. If that's your plan, Esau's an example that it's not going to work. If that's actually your plan, I'm not talking about somebody who just doesn't really know any better, and at the end of their life, somebody ministers to them and shares the gospel with them, and they have a deathbed salvation. That's wonderful. But I'm talking about the people who, who just know better. From way back here, they know better. And they're purposely living a life of Esau. And their plan is, is to check out of here at the last minute by getting things right with God. You'll never get things right with God. He's already made things right with you if you'll believe on him now. He's done all the work. He has made peace with you. You will never make peace with him. You don't deserve what he has to offer, but it's there for you anyway. We must remember that. 
What will happen to that person is as they live that life of the world, by the time they get to the point of their death, their heart will be so hardened that they'll never make a good decision. They'll never choose God. Now, I don't have time to go to what I was going to read about Moses, so we're going to wrap up now, and then maybe next week we'll, we'll hit that. And, uh, but if you would like to, if you want something to read on your own, if you're interested, uh, now, all the people who come to Wednesday night, this will be fairly familiar to you, but it's been a while, so it'll be good for everybody. But Deuteronomy 29, Deuteronomy chapter 29, Moses, what he has to say, read all of that, especially from 9 to 29, that's, that goes to the end. Deuteronomy 29, 9, at least start at 9, if you, you can read the whole chapter, but verse 9 through 29. And really pay attention to what Moses is telling the nation of Israel and how important. And there's, a, there's one verse in there where he said, not only am I talking to everybody standing here in front of me that are hearing me right now, but I'm talking to people who aren't here, that can't hear me now. And I think that's us. And the church over there and the church over there, all around the world, we are still listening to what Moses had to say. If you think the Old Testament is not important, Go to Luke 24 and read about the couple who were walking on the Emmaus Road. And Jesus talks about, he explained to them and expounded on all of the law of Moses and all the prophets, everything that was in the Old Testament. He showed himself through all of that. Jesus is all through the Old Testament. And we are pointed to him by reading it. And we need to uh, learn from it. All right, let's, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, I pray that this story of Jacob and Esau, and Father, that this warning that we have through uh, this person Esau, that we will see it for what you have given to us as a warning, that we, we will see it in our minds, but Father, we will see it in our souls. And Father, we don't want to go the way of Esau. Father, we want to understand the, the preciousness of what you have made available to us. Father, we want our birthright, which was given to us by Jesus himself. Father, we want the blessing from you. Father, we want it. And Father, we know that you are there and you're willing, and you have given it. And Father, we need to take possession of those things that you have promised us. Father, those things that you have given us in your holy scriptures. Father, I pray that each and every one of us will take possession of what you have graciously given us. Thank you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.